Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Health Conversations. Let's welcome our first A-team guest, Bridget McNutley, who's the chairperson of Diabetes Alliance. Bridget, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me, Patricia. It's great to be here. So, Bridget, uh, when StatsSA released uh, the statistics around diabetes and it being the number one killer of women in South Africa and the second leading cause of death in men in South Africa, this really shocked me because diabetes is one of those diseases that are sometimes, uh, you know, unnoticed. You, you mm. may have it, but you really don't know that you have it because the signs and symptoms, especially in the early stages of diabetes, are really mild and you'll think, oh, man, it's hot so I'm very thirsty so how can we make sure that our people in South Africa are conscious of diabetes and are always testing for it that's a great question Patricia and and it's an amazing stat in the worst possible way because diabetes is not a lethal condition especially so so when we speak about those stats from SA, we're talking largely about type 2 diabetes which is 90% of people it's a preventable condition if it's diagnosed early enough and then manageable after that with some lifestyle changes and taking the right medication. It should never be a lethal condition. And the trouble in South Africa is that people are getting diagnosed so late that it's leading to death. And and as you say, in the beginning, the symptoms can be kind of easy to explain away. And particularly with type 2, it can take a couple of years to present it, present itself as the fully blown condition. So the best thing to do is to have an annual blood glucose test. It takes less than five minutes. Um, it's often offered for free during November, which is National Diabetes Month. You can get it at your local clinic or pharmacy. It's just a simple finger stick blood test, and that will let you know if you are at all at risk of developing diabetes. Bridget, why is it that uh, stats are also showing that two in three people in South Africa are at risk of uh, pre-diabetes? And this is mm-hmm. obviously according to SA uh, Demographics and Health Survey. Why are we at such a high risk of contracting diabetes? So it's really complicated. I'm, I'm not a, a doctor, and so I, I just want all your listeners to know that I'm not coming from that perspective. But it is a really complicated set of conditions because diabetes in South Africa kind of nests with obesity and other metabolic syndrome uh, conditions. And so to be at risk of developing type 2 diabetes means that if you don't change your lifestyle and and changing your lifestyle, we, we kind of throw that term around, but what it means is losing weight if you're carrying extra weight, particularly around the tummy area, um, changing your diet if you're eating the wrong kind of food and unhealthy food and then doing some form of exercise every day. And these are the kind of things that we all know we should all be doing all the time, right? It's not diabetes-specific. But the point that we're at with diabetes in South Africa at the moment is we're at a crisis point. And I keep um, trying to to reference the the language of COVID because we all understood what it meant to flatten the wave. And we're at the, the rising wave part of diabetes at the moment. And if we can all make it part of our conversation. That's why I'm so grateful to be talking to you this evening and just make it more part of South Africans' consciousness that we all need to know what diabetes is. We need to know what the symptoms are. I'm going to rattle them off quickly because there's five common symptoms. It's feeling 
thirsty, needing to pee a lot, especially at night, um, feeling hungry, blurry vision, and exhausted. And as you said, those are easy to explain away. So if there's any doubt in your mind, and particularly if you're over 45, because type 2 diabetes is often in people over the, over 45, just pop into your local clinic or pharmacy and, and get a blood sugar test so that you know if you need to be concerned. Um, so, Bridget, uh, in terms of uh, the summit that you're having, the mm. summit is one that I'm really keen about, that you're having on the 10th of November, being uh, Diabetes Month. Um, what can people look forward to uh, at the summit? Or who's going to be speaking? What will be the main focus? It's such an exciting event. I know that we are all um, a little tired of all events needing to be virtual, but the fact that it is virtual means that everyone is welcome and everyone is invited and can attend. It's South Africa's first Diabetes Summit, and it's being held, as you said, on Wednesday the 10th of November between 9 a.m. and 1 p.m., and we have an amazing lineup of speakers, um, some of the top diabetes experts in South Africa, and it's going to be a really engaging fascinating morning where we unpack what is happening with diabetes at the moment and what we need to do in the future, what the future looks like and how we could potentially solve some of the challenges that we're currently seeing. So what we did is the Diabetes Alliance, the Diabetes Alliance is all the organizations, associations and companies working with diabetes in South Africa. And we sent out a call to anyone interested in diabetes, anyone living with diabetes, to join volunteer work streams around five themes aligned to the World Health Organization's Global Diabetes Compact, which was also launched this year. And these five themes and, and, and work streams really did a deep dive into what the challenges are that we're currently facing in South Africa to do with diabetes and what some of the proposed solutions are. And it's all evidence-based, so it's linked to research that's already been done. And we're going to be offering succinct explanation of what that is at the summit, as well as some really exciting talks from from some of the most kind of most cutting edge diabetes voices in South Africa, which is just thrilling that we've got them all lined up um, for our program. And I really welcome anyone who is vaguely interested in diabetes to join us. Um, you can register on our website, which is diabetesalliance.org.za forward slash diabetes summit and it's free and open to all are we giving enough attention to children with diabetes or are we focusing a lot on adults because i know there's quite a lot of children who are diabetic uh, diabetic right now mm -hmm. and um, most parents are quite stressed out and they don't really know how to deal with it especially because dietary um, requirements have to change for these children so is there enough awareness for children with diabetes I don't think there is at all. It's actually, I'm so glad you brought that up because um, one of the other campaigns that we're running through uh, is diabetes education. And we are running a campaign on the 12th of November. So World Diabetes Day is on the 14th of November, Sunday. And the week before that is full of all kinds of exciting events. But on Friday the 12th, we're running a campaign that we're calling Wear Blue for Diabetes where we're encouraging schools and workplaces to wear blue in support of children, specifically children with diabetes, because type 1 diabetes affects children um, more than adults, and it's a 
that's the, the kind of diabetes I have. It's a very all-consuming condition, and it's very easy, again, to, to miss the symptoms and for children to be diagnosed really late. And it's also difficult for children who are living with diabetes and carrying this chronic condition with them to feel alienated and not to feel supported. So we've put together a whole diabetes awareness pack and uh, support for teachers and infographics about the common symptoms and how to support a friend with diabetes. We've got an amazing video that Karina Mplope um, created for us that explains about type 1 diabetes, but in a way that children can understand. And it's a whole, really a whole experience around what it's like to live with diabetes as a child. And I welcome any of your listeners who are interested in that. You can find out more about that on sweetlife.org.za forward slash wear blue for diabetes. And please can everyone wear blue on the 12th of November. Oh, what a beautiful initiative you're doing, especially for the young ones. Um, and uh, that website, definitely one that we need to look out for, sweetlife.co.za. Uh, A-teams, please weigh in on our... Uh, .org.za, excuse me. So I'm um, uh, asking all our A-teamers to please weigh in on our conversation. We are speaking to Bridget McNutley, and uh, we are looking at uh, World Diabetes uh, Month, that's in November, and a summit that they're having, the first ever diabetes diabetes summit to take place in South Africa on the 10th of November. You can send your WhatsApp sir, to 614 Let's go to a voice note. Uh, good evening, uh, Patricia. This is Sakil. I'm here in Johannesburg. I'd like to ask Bridget um, as to why is it that diabetes doesn't get the same you know, vigorous, you know, uh, communication carried out into the public the way that we, we, we got with HIV and most recently um, uh, COVID, if it is the leading killer in, 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 in women and also second in, in men. Uh, because I, 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 we are fully aware that, you know, it's pretty much one of those diseases that you at the most part need to change your your, your lifestyle. Um, but why doesn't it get the same attention? And in her opinion, what needs to happen so that it sticks in our minds the same way uh, HIV and COVID stuck in our minds? Thank you. That's a great question. Thank you very much, Sakila, for those yeah. very important questions. Yeah, Bridget, please go for it. So I have asked that question many times as well. And I think that it's because diabetes isn't contagious. So there was a lot of fear around HIV and around COVID because we could catch it so easily, whereas diabetes is a non-communicable disease. And so there's, much, there's less urgency around it. And also because it develops so slowly, it's like a very slow-moving bus, but it's still a very lethal bus if it's not paid attention to. And, and that's, that's the problem. That's where we are now. Um, so I think that's part of the problem is because it's a non-communicable disease and you can't you can't just, just pass it on so there isn't that urgency to deal with it immediately. And I think it's also difficult because diabetes is, is something that you have to change your lifestyle, like I said before. And the problem is that there's this idea that type 2 diabetes, because it's called a lifestyle disease, that it's your own fault that you have it, that you gave it to yourself by eating the wrong food or by not losing the weight or not being active. And that's 
very, very, very not true and completely unhelpful because what does that give us, right? That just gives a lot of people who feel guilty about their condition. And the truth is that there's a very strong hereditary component to type 2 diabetes. And so some people are just more likely to develop it. And it is true that if you're carrying extra weight and you're eating lots of fast food and junk food and sugary food, then you're more likely to get it. But it's not a condition that you gave yourself. But because that was kind of the... It's kind of the stigma attached to type 2 diabetes. I think that also doesn't help because it's the messaging is, is more muddled. So I, I would really encourage your listener to join us at, at the summit and, and, and speak up because that's also what's so wonderful about being online, right, is that we can interact with each other and, and listeners can ask questions and, and there's some of the smartest yeah. minds and the most influential people in diabetes there. And these are the conversations we need to be having. Like, if it's mm. the number one killer of women, why is it not headline news? Why are we not? Why are we not doing everything we can to make sure that people don't die of diabetes? You know, Bridget, when it comes to um, support for those with diabetes, I think it's one thing that we also miss out on. And I think and believe uh, this particular summit is one that will bring support closer to those with diabetes uh, so that you feel there's a community around you mm-hmm. that is willing to assist you. You feel and and, and connect with people who have the same um, condition as you have and, and give each other learning experiences. So I really believe this is one of those conferences that we need to have in South Africa. One other thing, in terms of COVID-19, how mm. badly has it impacted on those with diabetes, especially those who get their medication from public health facilities? Mm. It's been incredibly intense. Uh, the numbers that were coming, I read a, a recent um, research paper from Kudiskia, and the number of, of people with diabetes who were admitted because of COVID-19 and then passed away in hospital was above and beyond any other comorbidity, so any other condition that they were admitted with. And COVID-19 in, in some way has brought diabetes into the spotlight because people with diabetes were at greater risk or are at greater risk, both of getting the more severe version of COVID and of hospitalization and of dying. So it's not even both, it's all three of them. And that's compounded by needing to go to public clinics because it's also then having to weigh up the cost of, of standing in line all day to get your medication and if that's worth it because then you're around other people. And so I think diabetes control in general has, has taken a dip because of COVID and, and there's already research out that's showing that. Um, in terms of the, the community aspect and community support, I, I couldn't agree with you more. We have a Facebook page that's South Africa's largest online diabetes community. Um, it's called Diabetic South Africans, if anyone would like to join. But what's so wonderful about the summit is that it's the first time that all the various organizations and academics and companies and people living with diabetes themselves have all collaborated on this one document that we're calling the Diabetes Charter, South Africa's first diabetes charter, where we say this is the situation right now. These are the challenges. We know that these are the things that are really difficult to solve, but here are some possible solutions. And it's a discussion point document, obviously, and it's just a first draft, and we all need to, to keep working on it. 
but it's been so inspiring to see everyone coming together and saying, yes, I agree with you. That's true. This is where we have problems. Don't forget, this is also something we need to address. And then trying, not just highlighting the problems, right? Because that also doesn't get us anywhere. Highlighting possible solutions and saying, this might work, this has worked in other countries, this worked for HIV. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the potential for where this could take us in the future. Definitely great potential, and uh, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, takeaways for those who will be listening. Bridget, do you think that uh, we'll get to a point where there's a vaccine for COVID-19? And I ask, for, not for COVID-19, but for uh, diabetes, rather. I ask this because COVID-19 has showed us that it is quick to yeah, I mean, come up with a vaccine when we are under pressure. And mm. having the stats out, uh, um, killer for men, don't you think that it's high time we start canvassing and making sure that we get a vaccination for diabetes? I mean, I would love it if there was. I don't think there is any chance of it happening anytime soon. Um, so type 2, as I said before, can be prevented um, and can be can be reversed, in fact, if it's caught early enough. Type 1, they've been hunting for a cure for years and, and there are all these exciting developments where they try something with stem cells and that works and then they try something with pancreas transplants and that works, but there hasn't been, as you said, a united effort towards a cure. And I think the trouble is, again, that it's not communicable. And so it's tough for me to have to inject five times a day and check my blood sugar throughout the day and, and be careful of what I eat and know that I'm at mm. risk of long-term complications. But I'm not giving it to anyone else in my family. And so so there isn't that sense of urgency. And I think what, what where we would better spend our, our energy and, and the impetus is in saying people shouldn't get to the point where they are dying of diabetes. They should be diagnosed way, way earlier. If they're diagnosed early enough and can be encouraged with the right educational materials, which we still need to develop, but if they can be encouraged to change their diets and to lose the weight and to do the exercise, then the, the, the type 2 diabetes never comes. And so when we look at those pre-diabetes stats of two and three people, it's 65% of South Africans are in the pre-diabetes range. So if if that 65% doesn't change anything, they will develop type 2 diabetes. But imagine they do change behavior and lifestyle and weight loss and all of that and, and never need to develop it into type 2. I think that's, that's almost like where the vaccine is because we have this opportunity now to help two and three South Africans. We just need to focus our attention and, and find behavior change that's possible, because that's the other thing, right? You can't just say to people, lose weight, eat healthy, exercise every day. That doesn't work. Everyone yes. tells us that all the time, and we're not all doing it. And so it's about finding language that works and um, speaking mm. to people in the right way and making it easy, easier to make the right choices. So we've got a caller on the line, Atima Lubabalo. Good evening. Good evening, Mandoli. Good evening, Great. Hello, Lubabalo. How are you? 
I'm Gordi Mandoli. How are you? I'm, I'm Gordi Mandoli. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. This is uh, Raflu Babalo here in Makanda in Eastern Cape. Um, uh, greetings also to your guest out there. Uh, Manduli, I, ha- I, I, I have a mother who is 65 years. She has uh, diabetes. And then uh, we try by all means to advise and encourage her for a healthy diet and whatnot. Yeah. And she's also taking her treatment. Uh, I have this question for your guest, ma'am. Um, isn't it high time now for South Africa to come and recognize the African traditional uh, medicines or the traditional medicine? Uh, and it, traditional medicine is good in uh, chronic diseases like diabetes. So I would like to ask your guest, haven't they uh, maybe thought of that, maybe uh, doctors or health? practitioners to come and uh, come together with traditional health practitioners in South Africa to come with something tangible for this. Thank you, Manduli. Lubabalo, before you go off the line, I'd like to ask, uh, since your mom has diabetes, are you using any particular African traditional medicines on her? Yeah, Manduli. My mother is taking her treatment and also she's using uh, traditional medicine for, for diabetes. A, a mixture, a mixture of herbs. Have you seen so, s- a specific results that you can share with us? Yeah, I, I, yeah. It's it's um it's 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 uh she she is going she is going because she is sixty five this year. I think it's like more than fifteen years she's been having the the diabetic. She's been diabetic fifteen to twenty years. So she 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 is going. Oh, right. Thank you. Yeah. That's very Thank good you. to Thank know. You. Thank you for sharing. Let me take your question over to Bridget. Bridget, please weigh in for us. I think it's a fascinating question. Uh, so I'm not a, a researcher or a doctor, but I think that in order for it to be taken as part of diabetes treatment, there would need to be some kind of scientific research done. So there would need to be I mean, there would need to be, I guess, like a control group who is on, the, who is not on the, the traditional medicine, and then a group who is on the traditional medicine, and then they track their blood sugar over a certain period of time and see the difference. But I think what 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 your caller is doing with his mom is great on the on the traditional treatment treatment and on the African traditional medicine. I think that's a great combination. And I think the other thing with, with diabetes is that. It's so personal. It, it is such a. It's so closely tied to the way we eat and and who we are and how we live our lives that you need to find something that works for you because it's a chronic condition, so it's around forever. I think it's important to say that that you must always take the medication that your doctor tells you to because that has been proven long term to to help in the development of of diabetes and to avoid long term complications, but it sounds like his mother's doing really well if, if it's been that long. And if the traditional herbs are helping, then that's terrific. I don't see why there's, yeah, why there's any reason not to do it. Well, uh, Bridget, uh, please do remind us of how we can uh, log on to the summit that you're having on the 10th of November and also give us your website so we can follow the great work that you do. 
Great, thank you. Um, so the summit details, it's on diabetesalliance.org.za forward slash diabetes summit. And you can sign up there to get the details. And it's the 10th of November between 9 a.m. and 1 p.m. And for our Wear Blue for Diabetes campaign, that's on streetlife.org.za forward slash Wear Blue for Diabetes. And our Facebook page is Diabetic South Africans. Thank you so very much for joining us, Bridget. And we are Thank looking you. forward to wearing blue and also attending the summit. Thank you so much, Patricia. I really appreciate the time.